Welcome to Inclusion Matters, a podcast about children's development from the Center for Inclusive Childcare. Welcome to Inclusion Matters, a podcast from the Center for Inclusive Childcare. I'm Beth Menninga. I'm the Relationship-Based Professional Development Manager here at CICC, and I'm here with Dr. Mary Harrison, who's a research associate at the Center for Early Education and Development at the University of Minnesota, and she's also an endorsed infant mental health specialist. Today, we're going to talk about attachment, um, and we're going to start a series of a couple of conversations about it. And the focus for our conversation this morning is really going to be what is attachment and why is it important to early childhood educators? So, Mary, I'm going to start with that first question. Just simply, what is attachment? Attachment is a biological, biologically based system um, that develops between a young child, a baby, and his or her primary caregivers, develops over time, over a series, millions of interactions. And it's the way that the two of them together uh, manage stress and fear and um, sort of joy, even the big emotions. Um, children learn how to regulate their emotional responses, their fear in particular, through how their primary caregivers respond to their cues that they're afraid. Um, And so an attachment system of way of being, um, a set of behaviors, a way of cueing what you need, um, begins to develop in babies and continues to develop over time based on the interactions with um, you know, maybe one or two, possibly three primary caregivers. So if I'm looking at a baby and their primary caregiver, what kinds of things, what kinds of things would I see? Sure. Yes. So um, I guess it's important to note too, that this system um, doesn't really start to come online or sort of become part of um a baby until object permanency, until they start to think about um, some a person existing uh, somewhere else beyond themselves. So, um, and then how can they get that person back? Mm. So the behaviors that you're, and that doesn't happen until sort of between seven and nine months. There are a lot of uh, very important steps that happen between. Um, important ways of being together that happen between a newborn and a three-month-old, you know, in the months and leading up to sort of that um, seven- to nine-month period. But um, beginning to think about it as an attachment relationship starts around then and really continues, you know, into 18 months, two years, and beyond um, because it's based on how those two people negotiate or figure out how to manage primarily fear, but other big emotions together. So when you're thinking about behaviors, if you, if you start from the perspective of thinking about an eight month old or nine year old or nine month old, um, you're thinking about the, the child reaching up crying, protesting separation. This is when, if you're dropping a child off at childcare, um, even though they've been going there for six months or 
more. All of a sudden, they don't want their mom or their dad to leave. They're standing at the door crying for them. This is their way of saying, I miss you, I need you. Um, Other ways of cueing fear are... um, even just through facial expressions, there's a lot that's communicated um, from primary caregivers and children through facial expressions. So for instance, when um, stranger anxiety um, or new novel experiences happen for this you know, nine-month-old, 12-month-old, 15-month-old, um, their, their initial response can be to look to their parents' mm-hmm. face to yes. see if they're safe. Yeah. And um, they figure out if they're safe or sort of how to manage this new uh, experience based on how their parent or primary caregiver is responding. Um, and if they, if the primary caregiver sort of can smile and nod and say, oh, this is aunt so-and-so, she visits once a year, or, oh, that was just a loud um, toy that made that noise and you're you know, that made you startled, but it's just a toy. Look, here's how we touch it. Um, Depending on how the primary caregiver responds to the cues, the behavioral cues that the baby or young child is sending, um, that's where the attachment relationship or sort of their pattern and way of being together becomes more and more solidified. So it's really looking to cues of the adult for how do I respond to this thing that might be scary, might not be scary. Um, I'm going to watch you, yes. I think about um, my daughter looking to me for that when she was little, too, and watching what I responded to. So um, I know there's this idea of secure attachment, Um versus other types of attachments. How did, can you talk a little bit more about that and that whole, I guess, theory of attachment? Sure. Like where did that idea come from? Sure. Uh, you know, in parenting and caregiving books, we use the concept of attachment often. Um, and it's based on um, very robust research that was done um, by John Bowlby and Mary Ainsworth and some others uh, into and done cross-culturally, actually, into... Are there ways, are there sort of common ways that um, parents and young children navigate those early months and years of um, stress and being together and, you know, the normal ups and downs? Are there patterns to that? And are are those patterns predictive of anything? What can they predict? Because there's been research since then that looks at how... um, how do individuals with certain ways of being, certain attachment styles, what are their out, what do their outcomes look like or what do their relationship behaviors look like later on in life? And so secure attachment is the most common um, and really just comes from what we think of as good enough ordinary caregiving. It's not perfect. Um, the, the caregiver doesn't always read the cues correctly, but they are figuring it out together, and there's a sense that the um, more often than not, the caregiver is able to keep the child's perspective in mind, able to try to see the world through the child's eyes and, and experience, and almost translate that for them in a way that um, helps them feel safe. And the security really comes in the form of sort of uh, 
a felt experience. It's not really necessarily a cognitive experience. It's really the child feels soothed and safe with this particular caregiver um, in a way that they can they know they can signal for help and they know that their caregiver will respond in a predictable way. Um, and that becomes sort of their map for how they what they expect from relationships in the future. They expect that if they raise their arms up when they're crying, that a teacher will pick them up. They expect that um, if they fall down and get hurt um, and scrape their knee and it's bloody, somebody will help them figure that out. So um, that just, it's sort of a... uh, becomes an internalized, that's why I said biological, physiological system of managing stress. So when it's secure, the themes I heard you talking about were usually, so it doesn't, none of us have to be perfect Nobody and that's going to reassure. Perfect. In fact, there's research that says um, you're aiming for about a third of the time to really be in tune with your baby or child, which really is not that often. It's very interesting to know that uh, the quality of a relationship can really be um, improved by the parent and child having misunderstandings and then figuring it out together. So you think of a crying newborn or, you know, three-month-old and um, mom first tries changing his diaper. Oh, nope, he's not wet. And then she tries feeding him. Oh, no, he's not hungry. And then she, you know, repositions him. And all of a sudden he lets out a huge burp. He had a, an air bubble inside and then he's happy. You know, they, they figured it out together. Um, you know, mom didn't know immediately what, why he was upset, but he felt her intention to figure it out. I um, love that. I yeah. love that because it's not just about finding the answers. This is so, so many parallels in in our work with young children, but it's the fact that you're making the effort to try and figure out and the child knows you're making that effort and you're figuring it out together is mm-hmm. the other piece I love about that, that mm-hmm. it's um, a process that's done together rather than the parent doing for the child or to the child mm-hmm. or the child doing alone. Right. And the other thing, you know, what you said earlier that I that jumped out to me, not just that it's usually, you know, so you don't have to be perfect, but there's that responsive piece and then the predictable. Mm-hmm. So it's it's not just that you're going to be responding to them, but that the way you're going to respond is kind of predictable. Like, I'm not going to have different kinds of reactions from this adult at different times. Can you talk a little bit more about that, too? Sure. So that's where we start to think about... Um, the kinds of attachment patterns that develop between parents and children where, um, for whatever reason, either the parents' own uh, experience growing up with their caregivers or, um, you know, other influences mean that they can't always respond in a, in a um, soothing way to their child, um, or in the way necessarily that the child finds um, soothing. So the child adjusts his or her ways of signaling to um, try to keep the parent close, try to keep the parent sort of interested in them and aware of them without um, pushing the parent too far. So um, one of those styles is 
you know, we think of it if the parent is preoccupied, um, if sometimes that parent might be able to really attend to a child's uh, needs and emotional and physical cues. But there are other times that that parent might be almost so flooded or preoccupied with their own experience that they aren't able to take the perspective of their child. And that happens often enough in that sort of way of being that the child doesn't quite know how to keep the parent's attention. So often uh, the child's attempts just get bigger and bigger. They, they're crying, they need want to be picked up, but even when they're picked up, they're not quite soothed because they can't count on the fact that the parent has now tuned into them and is um, mentally and sort of emotionally, physiologically there to soothe them. They, their parent is there physically and is maybe, you know, doing some of the the behaviors towards comforting, but the parent's mind is elsewhere. The parent's um, energy uh, is elsewhere. So they're not fully present with their child and their child can mm. feel that. Mm-hmm. Um, another one that is actually fairly predictable um, but isn't secure is uh, we sometimes call dismissive or avoidant. And this is the child who, no matter what happens, um, with separation, you know, from a caregiver, they seem fine. They don't really have any needs. Uh, this is the child who, you know, when they their parent separates from them at, you know, twelve months when they should be protesting. That's what we would expect. They just don't even look up. They just play with their toys. Um, and often we, in our culture, we think that that's a really um, independent child or people think, wow, you know, he's so grown up for his age, he doesn't even cry or he's not needy. Um, but what that child has learned is that if he were to cry or, you know, be needy um, in whatever way that he might want to signal, um, his care that's too much for his caregiver. Mm-hmm. His caregiver isn't at a point where she or he can um, remain present with, you know, emotionally and psychologically with that child um, during those big feelings of fear for whatever reason. Um, And that's uh, often, you know, it's passed down. Um, If you don't, if people don't really um, take some time to look at that and think about where their relationship patterns or attachment styles came from, then, um, you know, sort of from, from caregiver to caregiver across generations, that way of being is um, repeated. So I'm going to stop our conversation there for today, but I want to just point out a couple things about what you just said, which is for those of us who are early childhood caregivers, um, early childhood educators, our focus is not analyzing a relationship that we're observing, um, but rather to promote those relationships that we have with young children, especially if we're caring for infants and toddlers, and thinking about the importance of that consistent response when we're responsive, and that we're usually, that we're sending the message, we're trying, I'm connecting with you, I'm learning with you, the child, um, how to make 
life safer for you and you to feel safe enough to go out and explore and all those great things, which we'll talk about more next time um, we talk about this. I do want to mention that on our website, we have more resources around attachment if you want to dig in, but we're also going to talk more in our next conversation about what does this mean for you as an early childhood educator. Thanks, Mary. Thank you. Thanks for listening. For more resources, visit us at inclusivechildcare.org.